I'd like to address the question, how can the Psalms teach us to pray? Now, I need to say from the get-go that this question probably strikes many Christians as just strange. The idea that the Psalms can teach us to pray is not something that we're often taught in our churches. So the way that I want to go about this question is to talk about a forgotten tradition, first. Second, what it looks like to recover that tradition. And third, what it looks like to embody or to live out that tradition. So first, the forgotten tradition. Eugene Peterson is one of, is one of several voices today that are working toward raising an awareness for the ways in which Christians have forgotten the long-standing practice of Christians throughout time to learn how to pray by praying the Psalms. In his book, Working the Angles, he talks about how for the first 1900 years, or actually up until the 20th century, Christians prayed the Psalms. The university that they went to to learn how to pray was the Psalter. And he laments the fact that this is largely off the radar of Christians today. I'm reminded of Christ from the cross. We often have heard sermons, maybe on Good Friday, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which seems to be this, it's, it is, it's a heart-rending cry from the cross. And then you get all kinds of wonky and weird sermons that talk about the ways in which God can't look on Christ, or because God is too holy, he can't look on sin. That's a terrible interpretation of the text. What Christ is doing is he's praying the Psalms from the cross. And he intends to probably pray through all of Psalm 22. In fact, I've heard some scholars say that perhaps Jesus was praying the Psalms from beginning to end while he was on the cross. So in Matthew and Mark's gospel, he's praying Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Luke records Jesus is praying Psalm 31, Into your hands I commend my spirit. And John's gospel has Jesus praying from Psalm 69. Jesus prayed the Psalms. Why wouldn't we? So this is the forgotten tradition that Eugene Peterson and others have been trying to recover for us Christians. One thing that Eugene Peterson says that I think is really interesting for me, as someone that's very interested in the early church, is he mentions this little-known figure for many Christians today named Athanasius. Athanasius was the bishop of Alexandria in the 4th century. And he said that what Athanasius teaches us is that Scripture, the whole of Scripture, speaks to us, but the Psalms speak for us. So it was interesting for me in my doctoral work to come across a little-known letter from Athanasius to, a, to someone in his church, a man named Marcellinus. So Marcellinus was a sick parishioner in Athanasius' church, and while he was sick, he said, Athanasius, I need help. How, do I, how, do I, how should I read the Psalms? How do I pray them? And Athanasius wrote him a letter, which is the earliest surviving guide we have to a Christian devotion on the Psalms. And what Athanasius tells Marcellinus is that he, he says that the Psalms offer for us a kind of mirror of ourselves. The Psalms offer us a kind of way of reflecting every emotion and experience that humans can, can possibly have. And so much in line with Eugene Peterson, the, the Psalms expand our language. They give us a mature language and speech for communicating with God. What Athanasius does then, that's really cool, is he walks through almost every single psalm. And, and he talks about when you should pray a certain psalm. And he says that you need to be aware of your own kind of composition as you come to the Psalter, and you should pick the psalms that fit that particular situation. 
So if Jesus was only praying from Psalm 22 and Psalm 31 and 69, maybe Jesus was picking off the Psalms that spoke to his, to his current situation. Finally, uh, the actual living out of the tradition. What Athanasius says about this is that we should make the words of the Psalter our own. And he gives two reasons why we should do this. The first is that we would join in the company of, of Christians that have prayed the Psalms for, in his time, for the, for the previous 300 years. Um, and today, all the more reason to take on the words of the Psalms as our own because we will be in communion with the saints that are both present and previous who will recognize these words as their own. The second reason Athanasius gives is that we should pray the Psalms because these are words given to us by God. These are inspired words, and they're words that can transform us. So the end result, the way in which this is a living tradition that can play itself out, is that by praying the Psalms, we become what we pray. I want to make one other comment uh, about Athanasius's letter to Marcellinus, and that was that this letter was wildly popular for Christians for at least a thousand years. We know that even during Athanasius's lifetime, Basil of Caesarea, um, the bishop of Caesarea, had already gotten a copy of it and seems to have been using this letter as he is writing his commentary on the Psalms. We know that it's featured as the introduction to the Codex Alexandrinus, which is an early 5th century manuscript of the Bible. It's, it's a full manuscript of the Bible, one of the most important manuscripts we have. And Athanasius's letter to Marcellinus features as the introduction to the Psalter in that codex. Similarly, even in the Middle Ages, Athanasius's letter featured as the intro to the Psalter in their manuscripts. So this was a wildly important document that shaped the praying and use of the Psalter for Christians for over a thousand years. I want to say one last thing, and that is this. The Psalms has, have throughout the church's history been sung. Now it's said that when we sing, we pray twice. So it seems to me to make all the sense in the world to use the songs that God himself has given us to sing and to pray. Why can't we do this? Why shouldn't we do this? Jesus did. <laughs>